Sam. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? Let's see if this works, man. All right. So, what was it? UFC 226? UFC 226. So, I walk in on the Gokan Saki Roundtree fight, which, you know, you, I mean, I know you're familiar with Gokan Saki and, and his K1 kickboxing. And I was really excited to see him come to UFC. And, yo, man, it's just boxing. Yep. I mean, that's all you can say. Yeah, he just – he didn't even check the kick. No. He, he kind of just stepped into it. And I think it was a left hand because I think he's a southpaw, right? Well, at least yeah. when he threw the punch, Round he was. was eating a few kicks at first, man. Saki was kind of tearing him up, you know, looked, looked pretty good at the beginning. And and what was it? First round, right? First round KO from the southpaw. Yeah. Country. And, I mean, that, that dude's a killer. I mean uh, – Gokan Saki is a, a killer. I don't know if it's like the rhythm is just different or how. I mean, I know whenever I do a lot of kickboxing and I try to go to boxing, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not easy to change your rhythm up. Right. You know, you have to change the rhythm up or you got to catch your rhythm. So I don't know. It's like if you're going from K1 to MMA, but, you know, it's not, this is his third fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is his third fight. This is already his third fight, so, I mean, I don't know what's next for him. He's just kind of in the mix still. And here's what I don't know and what we might need to research, but is he with the same camp that he was kickboxing with? I believe he's a Dutch kickboxer, right, by way of Turkey, right? And has he made the right changes to go into MMA? Right, like who is he training with? What, What camp is he with? What right. kind of, you know, what kind of like a ground game is he developing? Right. I don't know. It was just, it was a good fight. I mean, maybe, you know, you underestimate Roundtree and you go in there thinking you're just going to, I just know he's a better fighter than that. Yeah. And I mean, it just may be, it, it may just take some time for him to, to make the adjustment into the octagon. And like you said, there's a different rhythm. MMA is, it's, you know, it kind of looks the same, but it is, it's different than, it's different than kickboxing. Yeah. There's so much more that you have to worry about, which I mean, from the beginning, I think Roundtree was saying, Hey, I'm a striker too. And I'm going to come in there and strike with you, you know, and it could have just been the fact that he underestimated him. But also I think, you know, I'm interested in, and I should have looked it up to see if what kind of adjustments Dogon Saki made coming in, you know, for his third MMA fight, or is he still just approaching it as a straight kickboxer, which, you know, yeah, I don't like say it's is wrong, but yeah, it's kind of wrong, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're like trying to think, well, I'm just going to stuff takedowns and, and, you know, work on the striking. I don't know. What, what weight class are they? 170? That was 170. Yeah. Yeah. 170. 170. So what are, what are they ranked? Do you even know what they're ranked? Um, not sure. Not as far as their MMA rankings go. I, kn- yeah, I know yeah, Roundtree, yeah. Roundtree after that, he did say something about giving him somebody in the top 10. So he's, he's probably not ranked that high yet. Actually, that was yeah. the first time I'd ever heard of the dude. And, oh, really? Yeah. I, I seen him in some, I think he was on one of the ultimate fighters 
And oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know if he even won the Ultimate Fighter. Well, I'll tell I you what, man. What I what I loved, and I always love it when this happens. Even though I love Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan, but they were just they were on Saki's nuts, you know, yeah. like oh, this is this guy's got these accolades in kickboxing. This guy's a monster. This guy's you know that's that's not exact quotes by him, but you know they were yes. really building him up, and then all of a sudden, like Joe Rogan had just said something good about Saki, and then boom, He's freaking asleep. Roundtree bodies him, you know, and he gets the stoppage with, you know, placing a few Donkey Kong hammer fists on him and, you know, shut the announcers up, which, you know, I think they were, they did a pretty good job of saying, you know, as soon as we say one thing, something else happens, but that's MMA. Yeah. You know? Who was, so the next fight after that, that was, was it the Felder fight or was it Anthony Pettis? Um, I want to yes. say it was Felder and Mike Perry, right? Yeah. How much time did Felder have for that fight? Um, I want to say he took like took it on three weeks' notice, and not three to mention he he uh, moved up from from lightweight. Oh, so, really? Yeah, but I mean, when I think looking, at, looking at the two guys, you know, there wasn't a body size difference, really. You know, yeah, I thought it was evenly matched, and I I think like I think he broke something. Like it was either that spinning back fist or something. Like he hurt his hand. Yeah. He started throwing a lot of lefts and he wasn't really throwing that right too much. And I mean, at the end of that fight, I was just like, freaking Felder is a monster. Yeah. He's a beast. And and you know I mean, like, that, you, I mean, you have two great camps. Mike Perry just moved over to uh, Jackson Winkle John's camp. So he's making some adjustments. And then Paul Felder is another one that's under Duke Rufus's camp. So I, I saw some beautiful stuff from Felder, man. I mean, you know. Felder, I think, is a great striker. And I think I, – I don't think three weeks is that short of notice, in my opinion. I think, you know, it's arguable. You know, people will be like, no, you need six weeks and all that. I think you should be in shape and not waiting for a phone call. You should yeah. be – like what? What are you doing? I think it depends. You know, just vacation. You not. Go ahead. You know what I mean, yeah. No, I'm saying, what are you on vacation? Just chilling and and not really staying ready. Like whether whether you're not doing a weight cut or not, one you shouldn't be. I mean, I, that's one thing you know they need to fix. And I know that's like a big conversation about weight cuts and you know how how you're supposed. I, I just don't think anybody should be not even 20 pounds over their weight class. Because right. if you do get a three-week opportunity, sheesh, yeah. there's a car accident almost happened. Almost happened. But if you do get a three-week opportunity, then you're going to spend more time cutting weight than getting a good camp in. Now, if that was the case, you should be always ready as far as skills-wise. You should always be working on your technique and working on what you, you suck at you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you could always prepare for the fighter that you're going up against. But I also believe in the, the instead of me going, well, I'm going to prepare this way for this guy, you should just prepare to be a problem for right. everyone. And I you think I mean? like, even DC mentioned that. He said, I don't train for a specific guy. I train the way that I train, which I mean – after having seen this last fight, I think he's kind of full of crap. Like, I think he does train for a specific guy because he had some really good answers for 
for Miocic being the larger, you know, yeah. more nat or naturally at a at a heavier weight. I mean, he was definitely the bigger guy in there. But I mean, DC said, you know, I don't train for anybody specific. I just train the way that I train. But well, I think you know, I think one of those things though is like think of think of DC's path though. Like I think you know you're probably right, but I I, th- I see it in in this way like DC's path is he comes he comes into the cage let's say debut as an olympic wrestler you know what i mean olympic level so he's already just a horrible horrible problem for anybody in front of him all he really needs to do is get his striking in order and blend his striking with takedowns and he's a freaking murderer you know what i mean so it's it's like how much does he really have to prepare for that person or just take note like Oh, you like to drop your hand out of because he was saying he, he liked to drop his hand out of the clinch. But right. before we get to that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, I want to go the, back to the Mike Perry and Felder fight. Yeah, quick, man. As, like, as, like those guys, I, uh, Perry. I mean, Felder had a huge problem off of that one hit. Like, did he break an orbital bone or what? Yeah. Remember, he took like I don't know that, what was it was a it left, the left hook. I want to say it just because I'm seeing it, you know, right from from. My perspective, it looked like a left hook kind of going upward and it Crazy. cut him open bad yeah. and put a huge uh, like mouse or whatever you want to go, a hematoma yeah. on the top of his head. And uh, I immediately thought, man, did he break an orbital? Because a lot of times you see that happen, like when when somebody breaks an orbital and 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 they just get that big lump of swelling. Right. But it's weird to get cut and a bunch of swelling instantly yeah and i'm wondering i want to say that that lump was there prior but that punch oh, was it worse but i mean like the, it, the fight started out the first few seconds they both cut their heads but it, the head right. you know? which anybody yeah. who's ever done that knows that that's one i'd rather be punched square in the face than clash heads with somebody that's one of the worst pains yeah. i've ever experienced and then the worst uh, one was i got head butted in the ear that yeah. was horrible <laughs> yeah i, I mean <laughs> Getting headbutt right above your eye, like on those bones there, like there's so many like little nerves and just pressure points right there that, I mean, it's, it's enough to make you just want to say, okay, times, you know, I, I yeah. you know, I don't want to ever do this again, but these guys fought from bell to bell, man. And I mean, yeah, it, and if time. he didn't break it on those spinning attacks, which he was, that guy was accurate with, I mean, from his spinning kicks to his spinning elbows and, and fists, like, that guy was – he really impressed me, man. And, I mean, he was, he's one of those that I've enjoyed before. But he also got picked up over Perry's head, and he used that same arm to brace. So I don't know if it was yeah. from the strikes. I haven't read up on that. You know, they haven't said if it was from the strikes or, or what. Like, yeah, that's like you can't post out like that. Yeah. That, I mean, that'll I, mess up your arm, your shoulder. It's instinct, but I think, you know, it's – yeah, that's a it's a hard one to call because like, what do you? You're in the heat of a fight. This, yeah. pick, this monster has picked you up over his head, and he's bringing you back down to you know a canvas. It's not a wrestling mat. You know, it's yeah. It's, I don't know, man. I'm like, you have to learn to turn or something. Just because, I mean, think about this, dude. This is the one thing that like it's like Mike Perry won the decision. Great, Mike right. Perry. You're a monster. You're obviously a problem for everybody. But I don't even have to. I don't even want to talk about him. It's just right. Mike Feld or Paul Felder doing, being able to stay in that fight with all of the stuff that's happening to him, 
uh, you know, he's bleeding um, from his head. And then in the third round, he started really, you know, busting up Mike Perry. Yeah, he was. Mike Perry didn't, it, it, he really started busting him up in the, the final round. And, and he round, got a, he, it was a split round. decision. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, what? Man, that third round was you saw two different spinning attacks by Perry. He threw a spinning sidekick, or I guess you could call a back kick, and it landed flush to Perry's liver. And which, I, know, I mean, man. shit, Perry stayed in there. Kudos yeah. on him. And then he threw that spinning hook kick and landed right on Perry's head, which again, I mean, because it landed pretty flush, man. And Perry stayed in there, didn't even wobble him. So, I mean, kudos to that for just being a tough son of a bitch. But yeah. here's the thing. Like, let's look at it like this. And I know this is probably one of the worst things that you can do. You look at a Mike Perry, who's a tough, durable guy. He's made the right decision by going over to Jackson Winklejohn because he said he was in charge of his camps most of the time. And so he's gotten, he's gotten in with probably one of the best, you know, top, top three, I would say, camps out there. And, you know, but here, even with all of that, could this guy beat somebody like St. Pierre? If St. Pierre came back and said, I want to fight Mike Perry, I don't know. I still think that Mike Perry is just, he's not ready. He's not at that level yet. No, I thought, I thought he did a lot of really good things, you know, obviously like that, you know, picking up Paul Felder and all that and be, beating a really good striker. But a, a part of me just, he strikes me more as a, I mean, he did a lot of good things. So saying this, is kind of di- like discounting his ability, but I feel like he's a little more of a, a brute force kind of guy. Like he obviously has technique, he has ability, but he's going to like strong, like will himself to a win right? rather than skill himself to a win. And I think that's good. But when will meets skill is when you become like a legend, you know what I mean? You, you right. think of like the St. Pierre's and, the Demetrius Johnsons and, you know, um, uh, you know, DC and all these guys who, you know, they have this ridiculous will and this heart to, to fight. Um, but they're also like super talented, you know, uh, right. you know, highest level at what they do. And, and I don't, yeah, that, that remains to be seen with Mike Perry. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he kind of reminds me of, uh, he reminds me of, Man, who is the guy that I always say in 170 that should have gotten a, an honorary title fight? Chris, uh, the fireman, uh, Lytle. Chris Lytle. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. A lot of heart, a lot of tenacity, can take a punch, can take a beating. You know, when he connects with you, you never know what's going to happen. But I just kind of – I predict right now that Mike Perry will be a gatekeeper. He'll become kind of a gatekeeper, you know. He'll get up there yeah. in top position, but may even get a title fight. But I don't see him beating a Tyrone Woodley or even, you know. That would be an interesting fight, though. It, it would be. I just because I, I just wonder like that. That I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Mike Perry has to go through. I don't know what's happening to um, Robbie Lawler and all that, but uh, he needs to go through people like him. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, that would be interesting, Robbie. too. Shit. You know, see a, a good Robbie Lawler fight. I think that would be a good one to kind of because I wouldn't call Robbie Lawler a gatekeeper, but 
if he doesn't like come back soon, he's gonna fall into that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for um, sure. I don't know why he hasn't come back. Uh, did he lose another fight after he lost the title? Um, I want to say. Oh, I, I want to say he did. He get knocked out right away. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my internet right now just so I can look at stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Robbie Lawler is one of those that you kind of wish could like you could see him fight every every card, you know. But yeah, like I, I just want to see like, well, well, is Mike Perry gonna get past him? Is he gonna get? I mean, also there's Wonder Boy. I think Wonder. You know what I mean, dude? There's Wonder, Wonder Boy. Boy. There's Darren Till. That guy's yeah. a beast. Oh no, he's definitely interesting, but you know I do see him like, kind of like a little more, you know, um, muscling uh, his way to wins. You know. Yeah, I mean, but I then, and I kind of see that he's just going to be one of those guys. You know, he's just he's he's good enough to just hold the gate. I think, but we'll see. With, I mean, this yeah. was his first fight. He fought a lot more composed. You know, and Winkle John has a a way of taking fighters that are just raw and kind of sculpting them into, you know, pretty talented, pretty talented guys. Yeah. Well, then that the next fight was uh, Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa. And man, I was real, you know, happy to see Anthony Pettis finally do his thing, you know, I think he looked like the old Anthony Pettis. And I was telling somebody, you know, we were talking about the fight. I went to go see it at the warehouse. So, you know, it was kind of loud in there and everything. Yeah. Didn't really get to eat a lot of the commentary. But I was telling him, I was like, you know, the, the thing about Anthony Pettis, I go, Michael Chies is one of those uh, guys that, you know, he kind of, he's going to grind you out. He's going to just keep coming forward. He's going to press you up against the fence. He's going to, you know, he's he's got, you know, some well-rounded skill, but he's not, I don't know, like uh, he's not one of those guys that you're you're like so afraid of in in the sense of where Anthony Pettis is like the Michael Jordan. Right. Like back in the day, he was like this Michael Jordan type fighter. He's going to come out of nowhere with something and blast you. Right. Yeah. And if it wasn't just a flying knee or a nasty elbow or literally jumping off of a, a fence and kicking you in the face, then he was going to put jump guard and put you in a guillotine arm. You know what I mean? Something. He was just so good at pulling something out. And uh, I'm telling them that we're talking about that. And then, you know, um, what did he catch him with? Oh, it was a, it was a right. Like he, yeah. uh, he, Again, he, I think it was, he threw a short left that didn't connect, like a short jab, and then he caught him with that right. Yeah, and and then he, when he uh, when that happened, I was like, oh, you know, got super excited. And then you see him, um, Chiesa goes for the shoot, and I'm I'm watching it, and Anthony Pettis starts to kind of engage instead of, you know, stuffing that takedown like his life depends on it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I yell out in the bar. I'm like, oh, that was a bad decision. <laughs> I'm like, and then, of course, after that, I was like, it was a great decision. <laughs> but I was like so upset, like, no, you were going to. I was like, why didn't you just stuff it, create some space and beat the brakes off this dude? He's not going to survive your kind of striking. You know, right. once Anthony's right. got somebody really hurt, 
you know, he's he's got that laser focus and he's going to start just zone, you know, I mean, you know, um, just getting getting right where he needs it. You know, I mean, he's just really good striker, especially we got somebody hurt. I was really uh, upset with him not defending that takedown. And then, of course, he freaking finishes him on the ground. How much better? I mean, you know, you didn't think he was going to finish Michael Chiesa on the ground. Right. And I mean, not to mention, you have a guy that, you know, he made the right decision by going back to what, what he knew best, you know, which was the striking and the jiu-jitsu, which after that performance over a grinder like Chiesa, I mean, you can't deny that that's where he should have been the whole time. You know what I mean? And of course, you never know, was it just strictly that he wanted to try wrestling and, and better his skills? But, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Yeah, I'm just saying, what was it? What he, he said he was going to, because it's like, what else are you doing besides striking and jujitsu? What yeah. else? Is wrestling? Why? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm not saying you know, wrestling is great, but to me, jujitsu will always beat a great wrestler. Now, you know, I mean, there's definitely exceptions to that. Right. But I think, you know, not like if you put it like seven times out of 10, six, at least six times out of 10 jiu-jitsu is going to find find its way around a wrestler right and i mean he he surely did but i mean that that was something that i think kind of the theme of the night was and even uh dc said it to brock lesnar when brock lesnar and his goofy ass came into the ring he said when were you the champion 2010 like those days are past and they really have because i mean that that setup that anthony pettis did with Chiesa, once he knocked him down, you know, he went straight for the kill. He transitioned from trying to get a guillotine straight into a beautiful triangle, which then he turns his body to the side, right? And he gets that that triangle uh-huh. armbar, yeah. which, I mean, was all in a matter of just a few seconds, you know? Like, that was beautiful, but it started from something that... Like a gift. It Well, it started from beautiful stand-up that translated yeah. into dropping this guy into going right. straight into this transition of guillotine to triangle to triangle arm bar to tap, you know? And what was that? The yeah. second round, like he's Michael Chiesa is one of those guys that, you know, that's the way you do it. Cause that guy's going to grind you out for, I mean, I think that guy could probably go 10 rounds without stopping if he wanted to, you know, he's just one of those yeah. clay Guida kind of guys, you know? Yeah. Hard to kill, you know, right. kind of guys. You know, I, you know, with that said, like I, I think as far as you know that 2010s and all, I think you know there was a, I think Anderson Silva, like in some ways, in some ways, doesn't get as much credit as he deserves because I think he was one of the guys that was doing that stuff. You know, like that's how he beat um, Chael was with a, a triangle armbar, and I, I just think he was such a great dynamic striker that forced people to want to grapple with him and and that was just never a good idea either right you know what i mean like it, you were you were, you've got a guy that's coming from a camp straight from brazil where he's in there with killers like junior dos santos and uh what were the brothers named the uh noguera the noguera brothers who he got his black belt from right yeah and so now you want to you want to test this guy on the ground like come on man you know well I'm, yeah, I mean, he was a he was a black belt, but I think you know it was guys like that that uh, 
are why I think, because we were talking about that too. Somebody asked me, they were like, do you think that the old school fighters could beat these guys now? And I think we were talking about like Felder and Perry and like whether, you know, you got a 170 pound Matt Hughes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I mean, I'd have to say yes. You know, in a lot of ways. Wait, yes, that the older guys could compete with the new guys? Well, I think like prime versus prime. I think I go, I think that I go, yeah, I I don't think that there was anything majorly different. I think that what's happening now is these kids now are standing on the the shoulders of of giants. Like, sure. Yeah, they're they're looking at what what was done and they're making it so much better. The time that they were like Matt Hughes and St. Pierre, even St. Pierre kind of brought a new, new life to MMA because people were start starting to see like, man, this guy is a supreme athlete, you know? And, but you're right. I mean, it took all of that to build back to my comment on DC saying, when was that? 2010. Those days are gone, my man. You know, like meaning like the game has passed you up. And it's because yeah. of you have like, uh, which I wanted to I wanted to get this on this podcast. You have the people like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Matt Hughes that they're making each other better, even though they're not in the same camps because there weren't that many camps back then that were doing, you know, high level MMA. But you have Randy Couture that start kind of showed the world dirty boxing, something that's illegal in boxing. But he was. You know, wasn't he out of that that Militich at first? He was out of Militich with Robbie Lawler, yeah. yeah. And uh, Militich was a beast, man. man for real, Militich. Yeah. But it it is. It's just they're them building on those skills, and now these guys, you know, there's there's so many camps out there. Like, who would not love to go and train with Team Alpha Male, or who would not love to go train with AKA or you know uh, American top American team. Top Team or, or uh, John. Should I still Winkle love John, to go train yeah. with Militich or John Winkle John? Yeah, you, I mean that's to me that's that's probably one of the number one teams. I you know I think AKA I mean, is like Black House guys, too. Black House. Like you could still tell, tell me you still wouldn't want to go down to Black. I mean you got Anderson Silva and the Nogueira brothers. Yeah. What do you need? Why? What 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 is what is some new dude doing? What about um uh Demetrius Johnson and what's his name Matt Hume? Isn't it Matt yeah. Hume his coach? I mean, come on. And Matt Hume's been around as long as, uh, you know, all these guys, even the new school kids that are doing amazing things, they're being taught by the, you know, the guys who brought up the sport. Yeah. And you know, I, the old school coaches, the ones that are like, yo, man, I can't be doing that stuff anymore. I'm right. back in my neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that shit. And I, I'm not sure who um, Mike Perry was talking about, but he said, he said something, I mean, kind of going against what you just said. He's, he said, now that I'm at Winks, and I'm not sure if he was talking about Wink or not, he's like, but now I have a kickboxing coach um, that not only runs the mitts for me, but will put on the gloves and run techniques with me to show me, you know, like, hey, if you slip this way, I'm going to catch you with this. Stop doing that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you need. You need some, you need a coach that's still active, you know, you, but not only that, but when you go to Winkle John's, man, you go to a camp like that and you've got, you know, you know, I guess what Jones, Cowboy, I think Cowboy may have 
branched off and has his own camp now, but you know, you've got international players at that, at that camp, you know what I mean? And not to mention, yeah, like, I, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I'd, I'd be surprised if like, you know, all those guys that are linked to Winkle John, like, like cowboy and them, even though they have their other camps, if they needed them to come in for, for something, I would imagine. Oh, I wonder sure. if they're, I wonder, I wonder if it's still like that. Like, Hey man, we got this guy's coming. You know what I mean? Let's, let's get him yeah. ready. But I wonder if he would end up fighting Mike Perry. Right. I don't, I don't see. He needs to not. be at 155 though. I, I think he needs to be at 155 again. No, I was, I was looking up uh, Robbie Lawler here. Okay. So he lost to Tyrone Woodley in 2016 he came back then and he fought Donald Cerrone at UFC 214 and he won. And yeah. then his last fight was December 16th, 2017. And that was against Rafael Dos Anjos and he lost unanimous uh, decision. So Dos Anjos is a monster though, man. But yeah, man. Oh God. Bring in talking about Covington. I will never root for Kobe uh, Tyrone Woolley. Yeah, no, I, I, Kobe Covington, period, ever. Yeah. But I'll never root for Tyrone Woolley except for this fight. Yeah. I've never wanted him to win so bad. I think the biggest loss <laughs> of Covington's career was him bragging that he had sex with some porn star. I can't remember her name. And then her coming out saying, I never had sex with that dude. And I was like, oh, <laughs> K.O., K.O., the, he, the kid is... Yeah, you what know? the the bad thing about that is, even if you did, the fact that she wants to deny it, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe a porn star's like, oh my god, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> He's lying. Oh my god, I'm so ashamed. He, she's the one that's ashamed. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. like I'm gonna be telling the, telling it to the mountain. Yeah, I fucked that girl who's fucked yeah. everybody. <laughs> right. She's a professional, guys. Yeah, and don't judge. But, I mean, I guess, you know, I've heard from the UFC that he's a big draw. Like, people love watching him. And I can't, you know, I, I assume it's because, well, I mean, he's an, he's an okay fighter. He's a good fighter. And, you know, he's kind of a pretty boy, too. So, man, but you know what? We've talked about this before. And the UFC is in the McGregor era, man. They really are. I mean, this is yeah, – yeah. they're going to always yeah. be chasing the dragon now. You know, they're going to be – Well, looking- I mean – for the next guy, yeah, I, I think it's him. more. Yeah, I think it's more like he, he's. It's not his skills. Like I mean, you know, he's definitely got enough skills to beat. Um, you know, Dos Anjos. I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's things you could critique about Dos Anjos' performance. Um, but regardless, Colby got it done. Um, it wasn't in the most exciting way. I know I don't have to like it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether I I I thought he did it in a you know, uh, spectacular fashion or not, he has positioned himself to get a title fight. I mean, technically, yeah. he has a title. He's an interim champion. So it doesn't matter whether I like how he does it. Um, the The thing that he does is he makes you, like for me, uh, hate him so much. I dislike him so much. <laughs> yeah. I want to just see him. I, I want him. I want to see him get kicked like Terry Adam got kicked by uh, uh yeah. I would have known the name. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. What's his um, name? Oh that man. Freaking monster. Yeah. The spinning heel kick machine. Yeah, that was a beautiful kick. And damn it, what is his name? 
Oh man, what is that guy's name? He trains with uh, Frankie Edgar and and uh, Brazilian Cat. What is his name? Damn, and he just got beat by um, Namaga Madoff. Not yeah. just, but Namaga Madoff beat him, and he's like such a Barbosa threat. Yes, Barbosa. It's Barbosa. Like I want to see him get spinning heel kick by someone like Edson Barbosa. Yeah. That's how I feel about Kobe Covington. Yeah. And just get retired. <laughs> I know this sounds bad. I told people this. They're like, that's messed up. I can't believe you said that. I go, look, I'm not saying I want him to die. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I just, I want him to like get ACL tears, rotator cuffs, things that are long lasting and just ruin your performance in general. <laughs> I want to see That's him all I want. on UFC tonight. His pretty boy is yeah. a splash next to oh, uh, man. Michael Bisping being an announcer. That's that's where oh, we want this. No, um, I don't even know. I don't want to see that either. Maybe he should just break his jaw or get enough concussions that he slurs his speech and he can't be televised <laughs> anymore. That's horrible. But hey, you chose the lifestyle, Kobe. You had that coming to you. No, um, that's just how I feel. Is it? Is that one seventy? He's at one seventy, right? Yeah, that's Tyrone Woodley, one seventy. Uh, those guys, man, are so much bigger than one seventy. I mean, at least Tyrone Woodley, like it's just ridiculous. Well, I look at Covington, and I don't. I mean, he's he's got a pretty thick, muscular frame, but he doesn't have his. I don't think his frame is as big as like Woodley or you know Saint Pierre or. No. Darren Till or something like that. But I think, you know, there's some people that have that that look like like um even Dos Anjos, like I didn't even think he could chill at 170 until you see him in there in front of a 170 pounder and you're like, dang, you're big. You're not yeah. a little, you're not for some reason he just seems like you know how some people look like little people? Kind of yeah. like DC. DC's not a big dude, but he looks like a big baby. What like he say? looks like so, man, and I was gonna no, no, he you looks before. like a big baby. He yeah, like was like, baby. you look like a large And he toddler. comes wearing those those freaking <laughs> yeah. Reebok sweats, like, pulled over his navel. I'm like, man, he looks like a giant, like a, like a toddler that dressed himself today. Like, <laughs> yeah, let like, DC dress himself. If he doesn't have a nickname, I'm trying to get it out there. <laughs> it's Big Baby. DC. He should just call. Actually, that, that nickname's already taken by somebody, I believe, in the UFC because and what's weird is when this dude first came out, I was like, that guy looks like a gigantic baby. And his oh. nickname was Big Baby. Big so he baby. stole that. Yeah. He stole that from DC. Fine. We call it the, I don't know. DC. He's like a toddler. He has the, he has the physique of a toddler, even yeah. at 205. He looks yeah. just like a big, to a strong toddler. He reminded me of uh, the one of the lesser known Three Stooges, Curly Joe, when he came yeah. out. And had his pants pulled up like that. I was like, what do you, who let him dress himself like this today? I know, it was ridiculous. He looked fat, man, but yeah. who cares? We'll skip over the Engano, um, uh, uh, Derek Lewis fight. I'll just say that that was, I guess we won't skip over it, just a little, <laughs> a little bit of it. But it's like, as a fan, I mean, like, that, uh, I deserve more, damn it. You deserve more, yeah, Sam. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like both of the guys. I wasn't. I couldn't root against either one of them. I I, I thought Derek Lewis was going to win because I thought he was just going to be a more well-rounded fighter. And and during the fight, I said, 
you know, at the, like the first round or second, the first round, you know, you could kind of let that slide a bit, but I was like, yo man, they're just not doing anything. I go, that's, I go, you know, it just shows you how much respect they have for each other. Yeah. And then going into the later, like the second round and the third, I was like, no, now it's not respect <laughs> and it's fear. It's fear. Yeah. It's, you know, you, this isn't respect anymore. It's fear. And then, well, and Gano think- said it in his post fight or an, in a post, I should uh-huh. say. But he said, he goes, I brought the fear that of my last fight into this one. Yeah. I think and- Derek Lewis had back spasms. Yeah. He was having some back trouble. Um, which I wake up every day with back trouble now and it sucks ass. I don't even like bending over to put on my shoes. So I can understand that at the same time. Like at what point do you think like, okay, this is not a new thing. Should I still be fighting? I'm not going to ever weigh any less than this. I'm not going to ever be any less big and back problems on a big dude is, is a serious thing. You know what I mean? I'm not sure how old he is. He still he seems like a young dude, right? Yeah, I'm not. I have no idea how old he is, but let me look him up here. Regardless, uh, that fight that fight was a horrible fight to watch. Yeah, man. I just you know, if if it, it wasn't just, such a good night of fights, that could have really ruined the whole thing. But it was only one fight, you know, and plus. I don't want to be hit by either one of those monsters. So I can understand the fear, but I'm also not a professional fighter. Yeah. Uh, look, I understand it and everything, but then, then you look at the very next fight on the card yeah, and it was the absolute opposite. Right. And you could say, well, yeah. And then look what happened. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah but that's what a fucking fight is. And- you know, high risk, high reward, you know, you're, especially at heavyweight heavyweight is you know somebody's gonna go to sleep you just have to you know go in there so prepared that it's not you and and gano for all the fear that you had it's not like you got knocked out in the last fight that dude you know he couldn't put you away in five rounds and he pretty much controlled five rounds and he couldn't put you away and which brings us to dc and stipe um about you know, eight weeks ago, I was in the gym with some some guy and and uh, I was like, and he has a, a podcast and, you know, I should have remembered what it was. <laughs> I think I forgot his name. His name is Blake. So shout out to Blake. I'll give you a shout out on what your podcast is next time. Apologize. But I was talking to him and I was like, hey, hey Blake, what what do you think about the D.C. Miocic fight? Miocic fight? I said, I go, I think. I think DC's got it, man. I think he's just, I think he's just more well-rounded and he goes, Oh yeah. And gravity doesn't exist. And I could walk on water. You're insane. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, are oh, you crazy? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I could see the argument for Miocic. Like, of course, you know, who, yeah. who lands the, the punch that counts first, but I just thought DC had, you know I mean? Look, I, I was worried for DC and, for the same reason that your friend Blake was. And that's because Miocic is a heavyweight and he does something that a lot of heavyweights don't do, which is throw combinations. And he throws three yeah. or four punch combinations with that kind of, you know, power behind it. 
is enough for me to think like, you know, that's why Nganu was gun shy in this fight with Derek Lewis, because he'd seen something that he'd never seen before. And you're right. He wasn't knocked out or anything, but he had been put through punishment, you know, especially on a world stage that he was, he brought into him with that fight against Derek Lewis. And I think there was also that, well, whoever wins this is probably going to get the next title fight, which that was destroyed by Brock Lesnar. So that puts a lot of hesitation. There's how many fights have you seen where like the, whoever wins this fight is probably going to get a title fight with the champion. And then they go out there and it's a snoozer because they they let it get to them. I don't know if it was Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis said that or somebody else said it, but they said, yeah, you know, um, you know, for Derek Lewis, it's, if I win this, I'm in contention. And it, for Engano, if I lose this, I'm out of contention. Right. So they both had so much on the line. But it's like, yeah, but look what happens. If you win it like this, no one gives a fuck. No one cares. No one cares. But it was absolutely erased by the next fight. Because honestly, like, except that we're talking about it right now, I didn't even think about it. Because that fight was so bad it could ruin a card, especially if the title, if the next heavyweight fight would have went that way. But man, you know, the first uh, um, half of that round with DC and Miocic, you know, Miocic was doing some good stuff, man. He was, man. He really was. And and I really was like, oh, no. You know, because you know what DC does a lot? DC's always awkward. It doesn't matter what weight he fights at. Like, to watch DC, you're like, man, what? why do you keep, like, leaning – so far to your right like yes i was just about he i was about to say that that's what he does a lot and i just can't believe no one makes him eat knees like bad yeah besides john jones but like besides john jones yeah and (laughs) but john jones is a is a phenom on cocaine or off of cocaine on steroids or off of steroids how do you know how do you know he's a phenom off cocaine there is no evidence to say that you know what he's like off cocaine. I feel like <laughs> you know, John just... Jones could come in to that octagon without having trained, like have a, having a training camp and DC having a full training camp, and I feel like he could still beat DC. You know, that's a great thing to say, but to me, the, the, okay, now going into this conversation, DC did it. He put a stamp on it. He knocked. Out Miocic, right? Um, oh, and, un- and undeclared. I mean, declared, not undeclared. Declared. I mean, undeniably, the baddest man on the planet is DC. And I'm, and, you know, and I mean, you, you and I you have, have had many so. conversations about John Jones. I was kidding. I'm not a John Jones lover. I think he's despicable. <laughs> I don't think that he's the best fighter on the planet ever. I think that in his prime, Anderson Silva would have wiped the mat with John Jones. And I think I don't. I honestly do not care if I ever see John Jones in the octagon again. No, I, I also I think two a couple things on on everything you said. I go one, the this is what I think. I think that look, DC is the two hundred five champion, and what he said, what DC said himself, he's accomplished something that you know you can say, well, you're not a real two hundred five er because you won that. You have or retain that belt by default. Um, but the fact of the matter is he's a heavyweight champion by knockout. And he he knocked out 
the most dominant heavyweight, even if the most dominant heavyweight is a three defense heavyweight, you know what I mean? Hey, that's something, Uh, man. Shit. Yeah, it's a major thing. Nobody's been able to do it. And now DC has a chance to improve upon it. But the other thing is, you know, we can say, oh, John Jones could probably beat him with without a camp and all that stuff. But the fact is, when he does win, we don't know. But when we does when he does win, he's a guy who's on on either narcotics or yeah. performance enhancing drugs. And cocaine is one hundred percent a performance enhancing drug. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, how do we know he could win? Because to me, if you're doing steroids, there's two things, right? Yes, there's the argument of, well, steroids is just there to recover so you could have more ch- more time on the mat and everything. Well, there's that's one, right? It, it, it allows you to train more because you recover quicker. Yeah. It allows you to, to move faster. It allows you to be more explosive. Now, I do think that if you're a person who does steroids, it's because – you don't believe how can you fully believe in your performance if you need something to enhance it right so maybe maybe he can't beat people without that not maybe only that can. i mean i would that, imagine even he can. he's a monster even but. on that stuff okay and i'm not and this is not to really downplay his performance because he usually does dominate and take over a fight but his last five fights from Alexander Gustafson, uh, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier, Ovince St. Preux, then Cormier again, were all decisions in five-round fights. You know what I mean? And the last person he KO'd was Chel Sonnen back in 2013. Yeah. You know? So he's he's kind of got that, like, yeah, he he's possibly the best. He could have been the best ever. Yeah. But it's but also kind of that St. Pierre so like, yeah. you get tired of seeing St. Pierre. Yes, you're dominant. Yes, you are awesome. But what happens if, let's say that freaking you and DC meet in the parking lot and you just can't put this dude away? Like, DC is going to be in your face forever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it does. I don't care how big DC gets and people were worried about him weighing too much, you know and all that stuff, but I don't think he's ever going to be the type that's not going to keep fighting. Like, he may be tired, but he's still going to be dangerous for five rounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah, it's ridiculous. I think he could go five rounds as a heavyweight. I think he doesn't have to, though. Right. I think he could finish you as heavyweight even more so um, than as a 205-er, which is horrifying. But, uh, you know, when, when I picked him to win – um, this fight, I was trying to tell people, I was like, you know, before he even came to the only reason he was a 205er is because Cain Velasquez was a heavyweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was, mm-hmm. he was a heavyweight champion in strike force and he was picking up uh, Josh Barnett and dropping him on his head. Like, uh, you know, like it was nothing. It, I mean, this dude yeah. is uh, 100% a heavyweight champion. He's already been a heavyweight champion, and this isn't nothing new. It just he took a break from it, but now he gets to like not cut weight, be more relaxed going in there. I did say when the the walkout was happening, I was like, "Man, DC's gonna win! Look how hype he is!" And then Miocic walks out, and I was like, "Look how calm he is! Yeah, jeez, that's scary. He looked just so calm. 
He did. You know, he just looked so freaking calm, and it was just kind of it, like it takes uh, a special. Uh, it takes a special dude to know that you're about to get into a fight with another trained fighter, and still just look like you're about to go sign some autographs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he looked like he was I mean, literally going to walk up and like sign an autograph for DC. You know, and then you have to think about it like, you know, this isn't like, hey, Nate, uh, meet me out in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, this is I'm in an arena, you know, yeah. lights, lights, camera, action. Yeah. All that. That's even more nerve wracking. Like everyone's here. There's money and all, you know, it's it's not like I've got a score to settle. That shit's great. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm about to whoop some ass. Yeah. You know, that's that's the fun part. But um, but hey, let me do this. Let's let's take a quick break. Um, I'll give you a call and uh, we'll get back to this conversation. All right. All right. Cool. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Sam. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? Let's see if this works, man. All right, so what was it, UFC 226? UFC 226. So I walk in on the Gokan Saki Roundtree fight, which, you know, you I mean, I know you're familiar with Gokan Saki and, and his K1 kickboxing, and I was really excited to see him come to UFC. And, yo, man, it's just boxing. Yep, I mean, that's all you can say. Yeah, he just—he didn't even check the kick. No, he—he kind of just stepped into it, and I think it was a left hand because I think he's a southpaw, right? Or at least yeah. when he threw the punch, Round he was. was eating a few kicks at first. Man, Saki was kind of tearing him up. You know, looked looked pretty good at the beginning, and and what was it? First round, right? First round KO from the south country. Yeah. And I mean, that that dude's a killer. I mean. uh Gokan Saki is a, a killer. I don't know if it's like the rhythm is just different or how. I mean, I know whenever I do a lot of kickboxing and I try to go to boxing, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not easy to change your rhythm up. Right. You know, you have to change the rhythm up or you got to catch your rhythm. So I don't know. It's like if you're going from K1 to MMA, but, you know, it's not, this is his third fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is his third fight. This is already his third fight, so, I mean, I don't know what's next for him. He's just kind of in the mix still. And here's what I don't know and what we might need to research, but is he with the same camp that he was kickboxing with? I believe he's a Dutch kickboxer, right, by way of Turkey, right? And has he made the right changes to go into MMA? Right, like who is he training with? What, What camp is he with? What right. kind of, you know, what kind of like a ground game is he developing? Right. I don't know. It was just, it was a good fight. I mean, maybe, you know, you underestimate Roundtree and you go in there thinking you're just going to, I just know he's a better fighter than that. Yeah. And I mean, it just may be, it, it may just take some time for him to, to make the adjustment into the octagon. And like you said, there's a different rhythm. MMA is, it's, you know, it kind of looks the same, but it is, it's different than, it's different than kickboxing. Yeah. 
There's so much more that you have to worry about, which I mean, from the beginning, I think Roundtree was saying, hey, I'm a striker too, and I'm going to come in there and strike with you. You know, and it could have just been the fact that he underestimated him. But also, I think, you know, I'm interested in, and I should have looked it up to see if what kind of adjustments Dogon Saki made coming in, you know, for his third MMA fight. Or is he still just approaching it as a straight kickboxer, which, you know, yeah, I don't like say it's is wrong, but yeah, it's kind of wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're like trying to think, well, I'm just going to stuff takedowns and, and you know, work on the striking. I don't know. What what weight class are they? 170? That was 170, yeah. Yeah, 170. 170. So what are, what are they ranked? Do you even know what they're ranked? Um, not sure. Not as far as their MMA rankings go. I, yeah, I know yeah, Roundtree, yeah. Roundtree after that, he did say something about giving him somebody in the top 10. So he's, he's probably not ranked that high yet. Actually, that was yeah. the first time I'd ever heard of the dude. And, oh, really? Yeah, I, I seen him in some – I think he was on one of the Ultimate Fighters. And oh, okay. I don't, know, I don't know if he even won the Ultimate Fighter. Well, I'll tell I you what, man, what I, what I loved, and I always love it when this happens, even though I love Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan, but they were just – they were on Saki's nuts, you know, yeah. like, oh, this, is, this guy's got these accolades in kickboxing. This guy's a monster. This guy's – you know, that's, that's not exact quotes by him, but – you know, they were yeah, really yeah. building him up. And then all of a sudden, like Joe Rogan had just said something good about Saki and then boom, He's freaking asleep. Roundtree bodies him, you know, and he gets the stoppage with, you know, placing a few Donkey Kong hammer fists on him and, you know, shut the announcers up, which, you know, I think they were, they did a pretty good job of saying, you know, as soon as we say one thing, something else happens, but that's MMA. Yeah. You know? Who was so the next fight after that? That was was it the Felder fight or was it Anthony Pettis? Um, I want to say it was Felder and Mike Perry, right? Yeah. How much time did Felder have for that fight? Um, I want to say he took like took it on three weeks' notice, and not three to weeks. mention he he uh, moved up from from lightweight. Oh, really? Yeah. But I mean, when I think looking, at, looking at the two guys. You know, there wasn't a body size difference, really, you know. Yeah, I thought it was evenly matched. And I I think, like, I think he broke something. Like, it was either that spinning back fist or something. Like, he hurt his hand. Yeah. He started throwing a lot of lefts, and he wasn't really throwing that right too much. And, I mean, at the end of that fight, I was just like, Freaking Felder is a monster. Yeah, he's a beast. And and you know I mean, like, that, you, I mean, you have two great camps. Mike Perry just moved over to uh, Jackson Winklejohn's camp, so he's making some adjustments. And then Paul Felder is another one that's under Duke Rufus's camp. So I, I saw some beautiful stuff from Felder, man. I mean, you know, Felder, I think, is a great striker, and I think I, I don't think three weeks is that short of notice in my opinion i think you know it's arguable you know people be like no you need six weeks and all that i think you should be in shape and not waiting for a phone call you should yeah. be like what what are you doing i think it depends you know, just vacation depends. you're not go ahead you know i mean yeah no i'm saying what are you on vacation just chilling and and not really staying ready like whether whether you're not doing a weight cut or not one you shouldn't be I mean, I, that's one thing, you know, they need a fix. And I know that's like a big conversation about weight cuts and, 
you know, how, how you're supposed, I, I just don't think anybody should be not even 20 pounds over their weight class. Because right. if you get a three week opportunity, sheesh, yeah. there's a car accident almost happened, almost happened. But if you do get a three week opportunity, then you're going to spend more time cutting weight than getting a good camping. Now, if that was the case, you should be always ready as far as skills wise. You should always be working on your technique and working on what you, you suck at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you could always prepare for the fighter that you're going up against. But I also believe in the, the, instead of me going, well, I'm going to prepare this way for this guy. You should just prepare to be a problem for right. everyone. And I you think I mean? like, even DC mentioned that. He said, I don't train for a specific guy. I train the way that I train, which, I mean, after having seen this last fight, I think he's kind of full of crap. Like, I think he does train for a specific guy because he had some really good answers for, for Miocic being the larger, you know, yeah. more nat or naturally at a, at a heavier weight. I mean, he was definitely the bigger guy in there, but. I mean, DC said, you know, I don't train for anybody specific. I just train the way that I train. But well, I think, you know, I think one of those things, though, is like think of think of DC's path, though. Like, I think, you know, you're probably right. But I, I, th I see it in, in this way, like DC's path is he comes he comes into the cage, let's say debut as an Olympic wrestler. You know, what I mean, right. Olympic level. So he's already just a horrible, horrible problem for anybody in front of him. All he really needs to do is get his striking in order and blend his striking with takedowns. And he's a freaking murderer. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, how much does he really have to prepare for that person or just take note? Like, Oh, you like to drop your hand out of the, Cause he was saying he, he liked to drop his hand out of the clinch. But right. before we get to that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I want to go the, back to the Mike Perry and Felder fight. Yeah, quick, man. As, like, as, like those guys, I, uh, Perry, I mean, Felder had a huge problem off of that one hit. Like, did he break an orbital bone or what? Yeah. Remember he took like, I don't know. That, what was it? Was a it left, the left hook? I want to say it just because I'm seeing it, you know, right from, from my perspective, it looked like a left hook kind of going upward and it Crazy. cut him open bad yeah. and put a huge, uh, like mouse or whatever you want to go, a hematoma yeah. on the top of his head. And uh, I immediately thought, man, did he break an orbital? Because a lot of times you see that happen, like when, when somebody breaks an orbital and, and, and they just get that big lump of swelling. Right. But it's weird to get cut and a bunch of swelling instantly. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I want to say that that lump was there prior, but that punch oh, was it? worse. But I mean, like the, it, the fight started out the first few seconds, they both, cut their heads but off the head right. which anybody yeah. who's ever done that knows that that's one i'd rather be punched square in the face than clash heads with somebody that's one of the worst pains yeah. i've ever experienced and then the worst uh, one was i got head butted in the ear that yeah. was horrible <laughs> yeah I, I mean getting head <laughs> right above your eye like on those bones there like there's so many like little nerves and just pressure points right there that i mean it's it's enough to make you just want to say okay times you know I, I yeah. you know, I don't want to ever do this again, but these guys fought from bell to bell, man. And I mean, yeah, it, and if fight. he didn't break it on those spinning attacks, which he was, that guy was accurate with, I mean, from his spinning kicks to his spinning 
elbows and and fists like that guy was he really impressed me man and i mean he was he's one of those that i've enjoyed before but he also got picked up over perry's head and he used that same arm to brace so i don't know if it was yeah. from the strikes i haven't read up on that you know they haven't said if it was from the strikes or or what like yeah that's like you can't post out like that yeah that, i mean that'll I, mess up your arm your shoulder it's instinct but i think you know it's yeah, that's a it's a hard one to call because like, what do you? You're in the heat of a fight. This, yeah. pick, this monster has picked you up over his head, and he's bringing you back down to you know a canvas. It's not a wrestling mat. You know, it's yeah. It's, I don't know, man. I'm like, you have to learn to turn or something. Just because, I mean, think about this, dude. This is the one thing that like it's like Mike Perry won the decision. Great, Mike right. Perry. You're a monster. You're obviously a problem for everybody. But I don't even have to. I don't even want to talk about him. It's just right. Mike felt or Paul Felder doing, being able to stay in that fight with all of the stuff that's happening to him. Uh, you know, he's bleeding um, from his head, and then in the third round, he started really, you know, busting up Mike Perry. Yeah, he was. Mike Perry didn't, it, it, he really started busting him up in the the final round, and, and he got it. He it was a split decision. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, what? Man, that third round was you saw two different spinning attacks by Perry. He threw a spinning sidekick, or I guess you could call a back kick, and it landed flush to Perry's liver. And which I mean, shit. Perry stayed in there. Kudos on him. And then he threw that spinning hook kick and landed right on Perry's head, which again, I mean, because it landed pretty flush, man. And Perry stayed in there, didn't even wobble him. So, I mean, kudos to that for just being a tough son of a bitch. But here's the thing. Like, let's look at it like this. And I know this is probably one of the worst things that you can do. You look at a Mike Perry who's a tough, durable guy. He's made the right decision by going over to Jackson Winklejohn because he said he was in charge of his camps most of the time. And so he's he's gotten in with probably one of the best, you know, top top three, I would say, camps out there. And, you know, but here, even with all of that, could this guy beat somebody like St. Pierre? If St. Pierre came back and said, I want to fight Mike Perry, I don't know. I still think that Mike Perry is just, he's not ready. He's not at that level yet. No, I thought, I thought he did a lot of really good things, you know, obviously like that, you know, picking up Paul Felder and all that and beating a really good striker. But a, a part of me just he strikes me more as a I mean he did a lot of good things so saying this is kind of di- like discounting his ability but I feel like he's a little more of a, a brute force kind of guy like he obviously has technique he has ability but he's going to like strong like will himself to a win right rather than skill himself to a win and I think that's good but when will meets skill is when you become like a legend. You know what I mean? You, you right. think of like the St. Pierre's and the Demetrius Johnson's and, you know, um, uh, you know, DC and all these guys who, you know, they have this ridiculous will and this heart to, to fight. Um, but they're also like super talented, you know, right. uh, you know, highest level at what they do. And, and, I don't, yeah, that, that remains to be seen with Mike Perry. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he kind of reminds me of, uh, he reminds me of, 
man, who is the guy that I always say in 170 that should have gotten a, an honorary title fight? Chris, uh, the fireman, uh, Lytle. Chris Lytle. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. A lot of heart, a lot of tenacity, can take a punch, can take a beating. You know, when he connects with you, you never know what's going to happen. But I just kind of – I predict right now that Mike Perry will be a gatekeeper. He'll become kind of a gatekeeper, you know. He'll get up yeah. there in the top position but may even get a title fight. But I don't see him beating a Tyrone Woodley or even, you know – that would be an interesting fight, though. It, it would be. I just because I, I just wonder like that. That I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Mike Perry has to go through. I don't know what's happening to um, Robbie Lawler and all that, but uh, he needs to go through people like him. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, that would be interesting, Robbie, too. Sure. You know, see a, a good Robbie Lawler fight. I think that would be a good one to kind of because I wouldn't call Robbie Lawler a gatekeeper, but. If he doesn't like come back soon, he's gonna fall into that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for um, sure. I don't know why he hasn't come back. Uh, uh, did he lose another fight after he lost the title? Um, I want to say. Oh, I, I want to say he did. He get knocked out right away. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my internet right now just so I can look at stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Robbie Lawler is one of those that. You kind of wish could like you could see him fight every every card, you know. But yeah, like I, I just want to see like, well, well, is Mike Perry going to get past him? Is he going to get? I mean, also there's Wonder Boy. I think Wonder. You know what I mean, dude? There's Wonder, Wonder Boy, Boy. There's Darren Till. That guy's yeah. a beast. Oh um, no, he's definitely interesting. But you know, I do see him like kind of like a little more, you know, um, muscling uh, his way to wins. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, and I kind of see that he's just going to be one of those guys. You know, he's just – he's he's good enough to just hold the gate, I think. But we'll see. With, I mean, this yeah. was his first fight. He fought a lot more composed, you know, and Winkle John has a, a way of taking fighters that are just raw and kind of sculpting them into, you know, pretty talented, pretty talented guys. Yeah. Well, then that the next fight was uh Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa and man, I was real, you know, happy to see Anthony Pettis finally do his thing, you know. I think he looked like the old Anthony Pettis. And I was telling somebody, you know, we were talking about the fight. I went to go see it at the warehouse, so you know, it was kind of loud in there and everything. Yeah. Didn't really get to eat a lot of the commentary. But I was telling him, I was like, you know, the, the thing about Anthony Pettis, I go, Michael Chies is one of those uh, guys that, you know, he kind of, he's going to grind you out. He's going to just keep coming forward. He's going to press you up against the fence. He's going to, you know, he's he's got, you know, some well-rounded skill, but he's not, I don't know, like, uh, he's not one of those guys that you're you're like so afraid of in, in the sense of where Anthony Pettis is like the Michael Jordan. Right. Like, like back in the day, he was like this Michael Jordan type fighter. He's going to come out of nowhere with something and blast you. Right. Yeah. And if it wasn't just a flying knee or a nasty elbow or literally jumping off of a, a fence and kicking you in the face, 
then he was going to pull jump guard and put you in a guillotine arm. You know what I mean? Something. He was just so good at pulling something out. And, uh, I'm telling them that we're talking about that. And then, you know, um, what did he catch him with? Oh, it was a, it was a right. Like he, yeah. uh, he, again, he, I think it was, he threw a short left that didn't connect like a short jab. And then he caught him with that. Right. Yeah. And, and then he, when he, uh, when that happened, I was like, Oh, you know, got super excited. And then you see him, um, Chiesa goes for the shoot and I'm, I'm watching it and Anthony Pettis starts to kind of engage instead of, you know, stuffing that takedown like his life depends on it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I yell out in the bar. I'm like, oh, that was a bad decision. And I'm like, <laughs> and then, of course, after that, I was like, it was a great decision. But I was like, so upset, like, no, you were going to. I was like, why didn't you just stuff it, create some space and beat? the brakes off this dude, he's not going to survive your kind of striking. You know, right. once Anthony's right. got somebody really hurt, you know, he's, he's got that laser focus and he's going to start just zone. You know, I mean, you know, um, just getting, getting right where he needs it. You know I mean? He's just really good striker, especially we got somebody hurt. I was really uh, upset with him not defending that takedown. And then of course he freaking finishes him on the ground. How much better? I mean, you know, you didn't think he was going to finish Michael Chiesa on the ground. Right. And I mean, not to mention, you have a guy that, you know, he made the right decision by going back to what, what he knew best, you know, which was the striking and the jiu-jitsu, which after that performance, over a grinder like Chiesa, I mean, you can't deny that that's where he should have been the whole time. You know what I mean? And of course, you never know, was it just strictly that he wanted to try wrestling and and better his skills, but... You know, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know. Yeah, I'm just saying. What was it? What he he said he was going to? Because it's like, what else are you doing besides striking and jujitsu? What yeah. else is wrestling? Why? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm not saying you know, wrestling is great, but to me, jujitsu will always beat a great wrestler. Now, you know, I mean, there's definitely exceptions to that, right? But I think you know, not like if you put it like seven times out of ten. Six, at least six times out of ten, jujitsu is going to find find its way around a wrestler. Right, and I mean he he surely did. But I mean that that was something that I think kind of the theme of the night was, and even uh, DC said it to Brock Lesnar when Brock Lesnar and his goofy ass came into the ring. He said, "When were you the champion? 2010." It's like those days are past, and they really have because I mean that setup that Anthony Pettis did with Chiesa once he knocked him down you know he went straight for the kill he transitioned from trying to get a guillotine straight into a beautiful triangle which then he turns his body to the side right and he gets that that triangle uh -huh. armbar which yeah. I mean was all in a matter of just a few seconds you know like that was beautiful but it started from Something that like a gift. it well, it started from beautiful stand up that translated yeah. into dropping this guy into going right. straight into this transition of guillotine to triangle to triangle arm bar to tap, you know. And what was that? The yeah. second round, like he's Michael Chiesa is one of those guys that you know that's the way you do it because that guy's going to grind you out for 
I mean, I think that guy could probably go 10 rounds without stopping if he wanted to, you know, he's just one of those yeah. clay Guida kind of guys, you know? Yeah. The hard to kill, you know, right. kind of guys, you know, I, you know, with that said, like, I, I think as far as, you know, that 2010s and all, I think, you know, there was a, I think Anderson Silva, like in some ways, in some ways doesn't get as much credit as he deserves because I think he was one of the guys that was doing that stuff. You know, like that's how he beat um, Chael was with a, a triangle armbar. And I, I just think he was such a great dynamic striker that forced people to want to grapple with him. And and that was just never a good idea either. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, you were, you were you've got a guy that's coming from a camp straight from Brazil where he's in there with killers like Junior Dos Santos and – uh, what were the brothers named? The uh, Noguera. The Noguera brothers, who he got his black belt from, right? Yeah. And so now you want to, you want to test this guy on the ground? Like, come on, man. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, he was a he was a black belt, but I think you know it was guys like that that uh, are why I think because we were talking about that too. Somebody asked me, they were like, "Do you think that the old school fighters could beat?" these guys now and i think we were talking about like felder and perry and like whether you know you got a 170 pound matt hughes yeah and you know i'm like i mean i i'd have to say yes you I, know in a lot of ways wait yes that the older guys could compete with the new guys well i think like prime versus prime i okay. think i go i think that i go yeah i i don't think that there was anything majorly different i think that what's happening now is these kids now are standing on the the shoulders of, oh, of giants right? like sure yeah they're, they're looking about, at what what was done and they're making it so much better the time that they were like matt hughes and saint pierre even saint pierre kind of brought a new new life to mma because people were start starting to see like man, this guy is a supreme athlete, you know? And, but you're right. I mean, it took all of that to build back to my comment on DC saying, when was that? 2010? Those days are gone, my man. You know, like, meaning like the game has passed you up. And it's because yeah. of, you have like, uh, which I wanted, to, I wanted to get this on this podcast. You have the people like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Matt Hughes that they're making each other better, even though they're not in the same camps, because there weren't that many camps back then that were doing, you know, high level MMA, but you have Randy Couture that start kind of showed the world dirty boxing, something that's illegal in boxing. But he was, you know, wasn't he out of that, that Militich at first? He was out of Militich with Robbie Law. Yeah. yeah and uh, Which Militich was a beast, man. man for real. Militich. Yeah. But it, it is, it's just they're them building on those skills. And now these guys, you know, there's there's so many camps out there. Like, who would not love to go and train with Team Alpha Male? Or who would not love to go train with AKA or, you know, uh, American, top, American team. top Team? Or, or John I Should I still Winkle love John, to go train yeah. with Militich or John Winkle John? Yeah, I mean, that's – to me, that's that's probably one of the number one teams. I You know, I think AKA I mean, is like Black House too. Black House. Like you could still tell, tell me you still wouldn't want to go down to black. I mean, you got Anderson Silva and the Nogueira brothers. Yeah. What do you need? Why? What? What? What is, what is some new dude doing? 
What about um, uh, Demetrius Johnson? And what's his name? Matt Hume? Isn't it Matt yeah. Hume, his coach? I mean, come on. And Matt Hume's been around as long as uh, – you know, all these guys, even the new school kids that are doing amazing things, they're being taught by the, you know, the guys who brought up the sport. Yeah. And you know, I, the old school coaches, the ones that are like, yo, man, I can't be doing that stuff anymore. I'm right. back in my neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that shit. And I, I'm not sure who um, Mike Perry was talking about, but he said he said something. I mean, kind of going against what you just said. He's, he said, now that I'm at Winks, and I'm not sure if he was talking about Wink or not. He's like, but now I have a kickboxing coach um, that not only runs the mitts for me, but will put on the gloves and run techniques with me to show me you know, like, hey, if you slip this way, I'm going to catch you with this. Stop doing that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what you need. You need some you need a coach that's still active, you know, you, but not only that, but when you go to Winkle John's, man, you go to a camp like that and you've got, you know, you know, I guess what Jones Cowboy, I think Cowboy may have branched off and has his own camp now. But, you know, you've got international players at that at that camp. You know what I mean? And not to mention, yeah, like, I, I, no, go ahead. No, I'd be, I, no, I was just saying, I'd, I'd be surprised if like, you know, all those guys that are linked to Winkle John, like, like cowboy and them, even though they have their other camps, if they needed them to come in for, for something, I would imagine. Oh, I wonder sure. if they're, I wonder, I wonder if it's still like that. Like, Hey man, we got this guy's coming. You know what I mean? Let's, let's get him yeah. ready. But I wonder if he would end up fighting Mike Perry. Right. I don't. I don't see. He needs to not. be at 155, though. I, I think he needs to be at 155 again. No, I was. I was looking up uh, Robbie Lawler here. Okay, so he lost to Tyrone Woodley in 2016. He came back then and he fought Donald Cerrone at UFC 214, and he won. And yeah. and his last fight was December 16th, 2017, and that was against Rafael dos Anjos, and he lost unanimous uh, decision. So, Dos Anjos is a monster, though, man. But yeah, man. Oh God, bringing and talking about Covington. I will never root for Kobe uh, Tyrone Woolley. Yeah, no, I, I, Kobe Covington. Period. Ever. Yeah. But I'll never root for Tyrone Woolley except for this fight. Yeah. I've never wanted him to win so bad. <laughs> I think the biggest loss of Covington's career was him bragging that he had sex with some porn star. I can't remember her name. And then her coming out saying, I never had sex with that dude. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> K O K O the, he, the kid is. Yeah, like, what the, the bad thing about that is even if you did the fact that she wants to deny it, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe a porn star is like, Oh my God. No, <laughs> I didn't do that. He's lying. Oh my God. I'm so ashamed. He, she's the one that's ashamed. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. like I'm gonna be telling the, telling it to the mountain. Yeah, I fucked that girl who's fucked yeah. everybody. <laughs> right, she's a professional, guys. Yeah, and don't judge. But I mean, I guess you know I've heard from the UFC that he's a big draw. Like people love watching him, and I can't, you know, I I assume it's because well, I mean, he's an he's an okay fighter. He's a good fighter, and you know, he's kind of a pretty boy too. So. Man, but you know what? We've talked about this before, and the UFC is in the McGregor era, man. They really are. I mean, this is—they're yeah, yeah. going to always yeah. be chasing the dragon now. 
You know, they're going to be well, looking I mean, for the next guy. Yeah, I, I think it's Hunter. more, yeah, I think it's more like he he's, it's not his skills. Like, I mean, you know, he's definitely got enough skills to beat, um, you know, Dos Anjos. I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's things you could critique about Dos Anjos performance. Um, but regardless, Kobe got it done. Um, it wasn't in the most exciting way. I know I don't have to like it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether I, I, I thought he did it in a, you know, a spectacular fashion or not. He has positioned himself to get a title fight. I mean, technically yeah. he has a title. He's the interim champion. So it doesn't matter whether I like how he does it. Um, the, the thing that he does is he makes you like for me, uh, hate him so much. I dislike him so much. <laughs> I want just just see him. Yeah, I, I want him. I want to see him get kicked like Terry Adam got kicked by. Uh, uh, yeah. I would have known the name. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. What's his um, name? Oh that man, freaking monster. Yeah, the spinning heel kick machine. Yeah, that was a beautiful kick. And damn it, what is his name? Oh man, what is that guy's name? He trains with uh, Frankie Edgar and. And uh, Brazilian cat, what is his name? Damn, and he just got beat by um, Namaga Madoff, not yeah. just but Namaga Madoff beat him, and he's like such a, Barbosa? a, a threat. Yes, Barbosa, it's Barbosa. Like, I want to see him get spinning heel kick by someone like Edson Barbosa. Yeah, that's how I feel about Kobe Covington. Yeah, and just get retired. <laughs> I know this sounds bad. I told people this. They're like, that's messed up. I can't believe you said that. I go, look, I'm not saying I want him to die. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I just, I want him to like get ACL tears, rotator cuffs, things that are long lasting and just ruin your performance in general. <laughs> I want to see that's him all I want. on UFC tonight. His pretty boy face <laughs> flash next to oh, uh, man. Michael Bisping being an announcer. That's, that's where oh, we're going no, um, I don't even know. I don't want to see that either. Maybe he should just break his jaw or get enough concussions that he slurs his speech and he can't be televised <laughs> anymore. That's horrible. But hey, you chose the lifestyle, Kobe. You had that coming to you. No, um, that's just how I feel. Is it? Is that one seventy? He's at one seventy, right? Yeah, that's Tyrone Woodley, one seventy. Uh, those guys, man, are so much bigger than one seventy. I mean, at least Tyrone Woodley, like it's just ridiculous. Well, I look at Covington, and I don't. I mean, he's. He's got a pretty thick muscular frame, but he doesn't have his – I don't think his frame is as big as, like, Woodley or, you know, St. Pierre or no. Darren Till or something like that. But I think, you know, there's some people that have that that look. Like, like um, even Dos Anjos, like, I didn't even think he could chill at 170 until you see him in there in front of a 170-pounder, and you're like, dang, you're big. You're not yeah. a little – you're not – for some reason, he just seems like – you know how some people look like little people? Kind of yeah. like DC. DC's not a big dude, but he yeah. looks like a big baby. What like he say? looks like so, – Man, and I was going to – No, no, he, he looks before. like a big baby. He yeah, like I was like, baby. he looked like a large And he toddler. comes wearing those those freaking <laughs> yeah. Reebok sweats, like, pulled over his navel. I'm like, man, he looks like a giant like – a, like a toddler that dressed himself today. Like, yeah, let like DC dress himself. If he doesn't have a nickname, I'm trying to get it out there. <laughs> it's Big Baby. DC. He should just call actually that that nickname's already taken by somebody, I believe, in the UFC because 
And what's weird is when this dude first came out, I was like, that guy looks like a gigantic baby. And his oh. nickname was Big Baby. Big so he baby. stole that. Yeah. He stole that from DC. Fine. We call it the, I don't know. DC. He's like a toddler. He has the, he has the physique of a toddler, even yeah. at 205. He looks yeah. just like a big, to- a strong toddler. He reminded me of uh, the one of the lesser-known Three Stooges, Curly Joe, when he came yeah. out and had his pants pulled up like that. I was like, "What do you? Who let him dress himself like this today?" I know it was ridiculous. He looked fat, man. But yeah. who cares? We'll skip over the Engano, um, uh, uh, Derek Lewis fight. I'll just say that that was. I guess we won't skip over it. Just a little, well, <laughs> a little bit of it. But it's like as a fan. I mean, like, that, uh, I deserve more, damn it. You deserve more, yeah, Sam. You know, I, I, I like both of the guys. I wasn't, I couldn't root against either one of them. I, I, I thought Derek Lewis was going to win because I thought he was just going to be a more well-rounded fighter. And, and during the fight, I said, you know, at the, like the first round or second, the first round, you know, you could kind of let that slide a bit. But I was like, yo, man, they're just not doing anything. I go, that's, I go, you know, it just shows you how much respect they have for each other. Yeah. And then going into the later, like the second round and the third, I was like, no, now it's not respect <laughs> and it's fear. It's fear. Yeah. It's, you know, you, this isn't respect anymore. It's fear. And then, well, and Gano think- said it in his post fight or an, in a post, I should uh-huh. say, but he said, he goes, I brought the fear that of my last fight into this one. Yeah. I think and- Derek Lewis had back spasms. Yeah, he was having some back trouble, um, which I wake up every day with back trouble now, and it sucks ass. I don't even like bending over to put on my shoes, so I can understand that. At the same time, like, at what point do you think, like, okay, this is not a new thing. Should I still be fighting? I'm not going to ever weigh any less than this. I'm not going to ever be any less big. And back problems on a big dude is is a serious thing. You know what I mean? I'm not sure how old he is. He still he seems like a young dude, right? Yeah, I'm not. I have no idea how old he is. But let me look him up here. Regardless, uh, that fight that fight was a horrible fight to watch. Yeah, man. I just you know, if if it, it just, wasn't such a good night of fights, that could have really ruined the whole thing. Like. It was only one fight, you know, and plus I don't want to be hit by either one of those monsters. So I can understand the fear, but I'm also not a professional fighter. Yeah, uh, look, I understand it and everything, but then then you look at the very next fight on the card. Yeah. And it was the absolute opposite. Right. And you could say, well, yeah, and then look what happened. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah but that's what a fucking fight is, and, you know. High risk, high reward, you know, you're especially at heavyweight. Heavyweight is, you know, somebody's gonna go to sleep. You just have to, you know, go in there so prepared that it's not you. And Engano, for all the fear that you had, it's not like you got knocked out in the last fight. That dude, you know, he couldn't put you exactly. away in five rounds, and he pretty much controlled five rounds and he yeah. couldn't put you away. And which brings us to DC and Stipe. Um, about, you know, eight weeks ago, I was in the gym with some, some guy and, and, uh, 
I was like, and he has a, a podcast and, you know, I should have remembered what it was. <laughs> I think <laughs> I forgot his name. His name is Blake. So shout out to Blake. I'll give you a shout out on what your podcast is next time. Apologize. But I was talking to him and I was like, hey, hey Blake, what what do you think about the DC Miocic fight? Miocic fight? I said, I go, I think, I think DC's got it, man. I think he's just, I think he's just more well-rounded. And he goes, oh yeah, and gravity doesn't exist and I could walk on water. You're insane. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, you're crazy. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I could see the argument for Miocic. Like, of course, you know, who, yeah. who lands the, the punch that counts first, but I just thought DC had, you know, I mean, I, I was worried for DC and for the same reason that your friend Blake was. And that's because Miocic is a heavyweight and he does something that a lot of heavyweights don't do, which is throw combinations. And he throws three yeah. or four punch combinations with that kind of, you know, power behind it is enough for me to think like, you know, that's why Nganu was gun shy in this fight with Derek Lewis, because he'd seen something that he'd never seen before. And you're right. He wasn't knocked out or anything, but he had been put through punishment, you know, especially on a world stage that he was, he brought into him with that fight against Derek Lewis. And I think there was also that, well, whoever wins this is probably going to get the next title fight, which that was destroyed by Brock Lesnar. So that puts a lot of hesitation. There's how many fights have you seen where like the whoever wins this fight is probably going to get a title fight with the champion, and then they go out there and it's a snoozer because they, yeah, yeah. they let and it get to them. I don't know if it was Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis said that, or somebody else said it, but they said, yeah, you know, um, you know, for Derek Lewis, it's if I win this, I'm in contention, and it, for Engano, if I lose this. I'm out of contention. Right. So they both had so much on the line, but it's like, yeah, but look what happens if you win it like this, no one gives a fuck. No one cares. No one cares, but it was absolutely erased by the next fight. Cause honestly, like, except that we're talking about it right now, I didn't even think about it because that fight was so bad. It could ruin a card, especially if the title, if the next heavyweight fight would have went, that way but man you know the first uh um half of that round with dc and miocic you know miocic was doing some good stuff man he was man he really was and and i really was like oh no you know because you know what dc does a lot dc's always awkward it doesn't matter what weight he fights at like to watch dc you're like man what why do you keep like leaning so far to your right like Yes, I was just about he. I was about to say that that's what he does a lot, and I just can't believe no one makes him eat knees like bad. Yeah, besides John Jones, but like yeah. besides and, John Jones, yeah, and <laughs> but John Jones is a is a phenom on cocaine or off of cocaine, on steroids or off of steroids. How and, do you know? How do you know he's a phenom off cocaine? There is okay. no evidence to say. That you know what he's like off cocaine. I feel like John Jones could come in to that octagon without having trained, like having a training camp and DC having a full training camp, and I feel like he could still beat DC. 
you know, that's a great thing to say. But to me, then okay, now going into this conversation, DC did it. He put a stamp on it. He knocked out Miocic. Right. Um, oh, and, un- undeclared. I mean, declared, not undeclared. Declared, I mean, undeniably the baddest man on the planet is DC. And I'm, and, you know, and I mean, you, you and I you have, have to had many so. conversations about John Jones. I was kidding. I'm not a John Jones lover. I think he's despicable. I don't think that he's the best fighter on the planet ever. I think that in his prime, Anderson Silva would have wiped the mat with John Jones. And I think I don't, I honestly do not care if I ever see John Jones in the octagon again. No, I, I also, I think two, a couple of things on, on everything you said, I go one, the, this is what I think. I think that look, DC is the 205 champion and what he said, what DC said himself, he's accomplished something that, you know, you can say, well, you're not a real 205er because you won that, you have or retained that belt by default. Um, but the fact of the matter is he's a heavyweight champion by knockout. And he he knocked out the most dominant heavyweight, even if the most dominant heavyweight is a three defense heavyweight, you know what I mean? Hey, that's something, um, man. Shit. Yeah, Just, it's a major thing. Nobody's been able to do it, and now DC has a chance to improve upon it. But the other thing is, you know, we can say, oh, John Jones could probably beat him with without a camp and all that stuff, but the fact is, when he does win, we don't know, but when, we does, when he does win, he's a guy who's on on either narcotics or yeah. performance enhancing drugs and cocaine is 100% a performance enhancing drug you know what i mean yeah. and so how do we know he could win because to me if you're doing steroids there's two things right yes there's the argument of well steroids is just there to recover so you could have more ch- more time on the mat and everything well there's that's one right it 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 allows you to train more because you recover quicker yeah. It allows you to to move faster. It allows you to be more explosive. Now, I do think that if you're a person who does steroids, it's because you don't believe. How can you fully believe in your performance if you need something to enhance it? Right. So maybe maybe he can't beat people without that. Not maybe only he that. Can. I mean, I would that, imagine even, he can. He's a monster. Even but, on that stuff, okay, and I'm not – and this is not to really downplay his performance because he usually does dominate and take over a fight. But his last five fights from Alexander Gustafson, uh, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier, Ovince St. Preux, then Cormier again, were all decisions in five-round fights. You know what I mean? And the last person he KO'd was Chel Sonnen back in 2013. Yeah. You know? So he's he's kind of got that, like yeah he he's possibly the best he could have been the best ever, yeah. But it's but also kind of that Saint Pierre, so like yeah. You get tired of seeing Saint Pierre. Yes, you're dominant. Yes, you are awesome. But what happens if, let's say that, freaking you and DC meet in the parking lot, and you just can't put this dude away? Like DC is going to be in your face, forever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it does I don't care how big DC gets and people were worried about him 
weighing too much, you know, and all that stuff. But I don't think he's ever going to be the type that's not going to keep fighting. Like he may be tired, but he's still going to be dangerous for five rounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. It's ridiculous. I think he could go five rounds as a heavyweight. I think he doesn't have to though. Right. I think he could finish you as heavyweight even more so um, than as a 205er, which is horrifying. But, uh, you know, when, when I picked him to win um, this fight, I was trying to tell people, I was like, you know, before he even came to the only reason he was a 205er is because Cain Velasquez was a heavyweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was, mm-hmm. he was a heavyweight champion in strike force and he was picking up uh, Josh Barnett and dropping him on his head. Like, uh, you know, like it was nothing. It, I mean, this dude yeah. is uh, 100% a heavyweight champion. He's already been a heavyweight champion and this isn't nothing new. It just, he took a break from it. But now he gets to, like, not cut weight, be more relaxed going in there. I did say when the, the walkout was happening, I was like, man, DC's going to win. Look how hype he is. And then Miocic walks out, and I was like, look how calm he is. Yeah. Jeez, that's scary. He looked just so calm. He did. You know, he just looked so freaking calm, and it was just kind of it, like it takes uh, a special. Uh, it takes a special dude to know that you're about to get into a fight with another trained fighter and still – just look like you're about to go sign some autographs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he looked like he was I mean, literally going to walk up and like sign an autograph for DC, you know? And, and then you have to think about it. Like, you know, this isn't like, Hey Nate, uh, meet me out in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, this is, I'm in an arena, you know, yeah. lights, lights, camera action. Yeah. All that. That's even more nerve wracking. Like everyone's here. There's money and all, you know, it's, it's not like I've got a score to settle. That shit's great. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm about to whoop some ass. Yeah. You know, that's that's the fun part. But um, but hey, let me do this. Let's let's take a quick break. Um, I'll give you a call and uh we'll get back to this conversation. All right. All right, cool. All right, man. All right, thanks. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.